it's Loom Group's Andrea Lay, Backview's Melissa Burdick, the wizard of Woodland Hills Shree, and I'm PVSB from Flywheel, a division of Omnicom, and I'm coming to you today from the Catskills. Be playing Heckinger's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 6th, and it's time for the Fresh Four, for curated news stories from the past week. We find them dependably intriguing. We hope you do too. We're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence news, retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Over to you, Shree. In case you're wondering what this background is, I'm at, I'm at my father-in-law's house all the way in Chennai, India for the next couple of weeks. So what's the message of the week? Kroger Precision Marketing strikes a partnership with none other than Yahoo DSP. So Yahoo DSP advertisers now have access to KPM's audiences for both reach and measurement. Partnership marks KPM's second DSP partnership since last fall and ushers in a new focus on commerce media for Yahoo advertising in particular. Collaborations like this one will define the next phase of growth in retail media as retailers recognize the limitations of monetization on their own digital properties and seek incremental growth by expanding offsite. This is said by Sara Marzano, principal analyst at eMarketer. For advertisers, the delayed but still impending deprecation of third-party cookies, which is now on its way, continues to underpin every decision regarding digital advertising dollars. So solutions that safeguard their investments against that hold increasing appeal. Over to you, Andrea. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. Walmart adds a new grocery line to its private brand's portfolio. Walmart has announced a new private label grocery brand called Better Goods. The line includes 300 items spanning categories such as frozen, dairy, snacks, beverages, pasta, soups, coffee, and chocolate. With most items priced under $5, Better Goods focuses on three key components, culinary experiences, plant-based, and made without. The retailer said Better Goods marks not only its largest private food brand launch in two decades, but also its fastest grocery brand brought to market. Over to you, Melissa. Thanks, Andrea. Uh, so, Savemark companies roll out in-store retail media networks. It's not enough that we have online. Now we're moving to in-store retail media networks. The Savemark companies plans to roll out in-store connect, an in-store retail media network powered by Quad Graphics Inc. To start, 16 of the grocery company stores will have digital screens, kiosks, end caps, shelf screens, and vertical banners throughout, allowing CPG partners to showcase promotions, product information, and recommendations to shoppers. The program will eventually roll out to all the Savemark companies, approximately 200 stores. This is Savemark's latest retail media effort, coming almost a year after a launch of its own retail media network. Over to you, Peter. Thanks, Melissa. Rite Aid expands Uber Eats' partnership for alcohol delivery in eight states. Nearly 1,000 Rite Aid stores will now offer alcohol delivery via retailers' expanded partnership with Uber Eats. Customers of legal drinking aid can get delivery from select stores in California, Idaho, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Oregon, Virginia, and Washington. Quote, our collaboration and trusted partnership with Uber Eats underscores our commitment to meet the evolving needs of our customers and providing a seamless digital shopping experience complements their busy lives, unquote, said Jeannie Walden, Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Rite Aid, the U.S.'s third largest pharmacy retailer. That's it for the Fresh Four. Now on to the CPG Guys episode that you've downloaded. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our co-hosts, Sri Rajagopalan and Peter V.S. Bond, 
explore how brands and retailers engage with consumers online, in-store, and everywhere in between. And now, here are Shri and Peter. And welcome to the CPG Guys podcast. I'm PVSB, one of the aforementioned CPG Guys. I'm also Vice President of Partner Strategy and Development at Fetch Rewards, a mobile loyalty platform. And I am joined by my bestie, my partner in this endeavor to explore consumer engagement in a digitally driven world. Uh, he's an empresario in the world of omnichannel digital shopper marketing. And he's so famous, people know him by just one name. Please join me in welcoming the man known as Shri. Hey, Shri, what's up on the left coast, brother? Don't go down the path of empresario, man, because my last name, Rod, you know what that means. It actually means king. I didn't say a lafario. I said an empresario. There's a very different meaning boom, to that. Boom. Uh, <laughs> now I'm going to have to reference the radio dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. How you doing? Everything good with you, man? Can't complain, man. It's going well. I mean, I'm just glad that we're going to get into some rabbit holes today. And don't spoil the surprise and say what those means. It'll just okay. happen. Okay, that'll be fine. Hey, before we get to uh, the topics at hand for today's episode, I want to remind our audience that all of our content links to numerous of the 40 platforms that carry our podcast, our social media accounts, the list of podcasts we like to listen to when we're not obsessed with listening to ourselves talk, which is pretty much all the time, right? <laughs> Particularly the episodes that we ran over Christmas, remember, Shree, we had the Omnis episode, our tongue-in-cheek examination of what we consider to be the best in omni-channel digital for brands, retailers, and marketplaces. Just go to cpgguys.com and you can find it all there. And of course, the best way to stay in touch with our community Go to LinkedIn, either on a website browser or through a mobile app. And when you get there, search CPG Guys. And hey, just click the follow button. You get to see all of our content appear in your stream very effortlessly. And it's all free, right? Doesn't cost nothing. So everybody can afford that. Uh, if you can get on the internet, you're already covered. Nothing other beyond that. Uh, and, you know, Shree, we're also partnered with the Network of Executive Women, new. Uh, it is a community of 14,000 members that our uh, mission is to advance gender equality in the workplace and to advance the career opportunities for, for women and men alike. Uh, and in the middle of every Wednesday episode, we have a little Easter egg where we talk about activities that are going on and people can learn more about it by just going to newonline.org slash CPG guys. I guess that makes us an official partner because like they have a, they have a little microsite for us. Isn't that nice? So make sure to uh, do that. And also they have a really great podcast by their CEO, Sarah Alter. It's called Advancing All Women. It's on our list of podcasts at cpgguys.com. So if you want to find that, just download our list and you can get there. Uh, and speaking of other podcasts, Shree, you know, we launched another podcast. We're now we're now not just the CPG guys. We are partnered with the FMCG guys, Fast Moving Consumer Goods. Our friends, Daniel and Ephraim, they've taken our format and, across the pond to Europe, and they are doing for Fast Moving Consumer Goods what we're doing for CPG here. So make sure to check them out. They just launched January 1st. And they are available. Just go to cpgguys.com. The very top of the page, there's a link. And you're off and running. So make sure you do that. We just gave Peter a good reason to make two more emojis. I know. I need to. Oh, yeah, I do need to do that. Uh, more, more, more. And then T-shirts along with that, right, Shrey? All right. 
So let's get to why we're here today. Uh, you know, brands looking to thrive in an increasingly omni-channel digital world are looking for the optimal intersection between shoppable media and performance marketing to drive success. They are looking to deliver where to buy functionality with full retail coverage, right? Conversion optimized campaigns and direct access to consumers. But doesn't that kind of sound impossible, Stree, based upon our, our prior experience? Not anymore. Uh, the CPG guys are partnering in this episode with Pair Commerce, which simplifies retail marketing by connecting CPG advertisements directly with retailers. Their mission is to provide complete transparency from the click of an ad to the purchase of a product. So joining us to speak about how adding shoppable capabilities to digital marketing can drive significant revenue growth for brands is the founder of a company called Pair Commerce. Prior to Pair Commerce, he founded Eat Street, which is an online food ordering platform. I used that in the past. Uh, and he served as a venture partner at Generator, a private equity and VC firm. So please join Shree and me in welcoming to the CPG Guys podcast, Eric Martel. Eric, hey, how you doing today? Hey, guys, I can't complain. It's my last call on a Friday. I actually just recently recovered from a very mild case of COVID. So I'm feeling like a million bucks and I'm out on the other side of it. And um, it's negative 15 outside in Minneapolis. So I'm just looking forward to a cozy weekend, uh, watching a lot of Netflix and uh, kind of kicking back. Shri, uh, it's the perfect time to visit Minnesota. I know you're based in LA. Uh, we'd welcome you at a time like this and you could experience the elements. So Eric, uh, if you're going to be watching Netflix all weekend, I just finished binge watching Cobra Kai season four. It is phenomenal. It is both irreverent. Uh, it is a, a throwback to our, our youth. I highly recommend it. You will enjoy it. Uh, give it a shot. That'll keep you entertained. I, it took me it, 10 episodes. I watched it in 10 hours. Boom. Done. I just binge season one of Cobra Kai uh, last Wednesday. And that was one of those deals where work stopped, went to bed with the season over, like, you know, 10 episodes in a row, just like you, Peter. Best retro cameos, season three and four. They get even better. That's what I'm going to tell you. Hey, uh, before we get to the questions Shree and I have prepared, would love, Eric, if you take a little time. First, tell people where they can learn more about Pair Commerce online. And can you give us a little bit about what your business is? Kind of your your quick little overview beyond what I've kind of already elaborated in my introduction. Absolutely. So you can find us on paircommerce.com. That's like pear the fruit, P-E-A-R commerce.com. I should actually mention that uh, for all inquiries at this point, if we end up having a phone call, we're also drop shipping ice cream to the people who uh, talk to us. So a little bit of an incentive to reach out. We'd love to talk to any listener on this podcast. And yeah, about pair commerce, we connect digital ads for CPG products directly to retail shopping carts. So to use a little bit of an example, imagine that you click on a Dr. Teal's ad on Instagram and you're taken to a landing page that shows Walmart, Target, CVS, Walgreens, you know, and then a handful of your local grocery and retail stores. Uh, when you click on one of these retailers, you're taken to their app and website and the item is added directly to your shopping cart. Now, I'll admit, if that sounds familiar, there are two things that make us not just your traditional boring product finder. We get full visibility into purchases made through the pair landing page that take uh, somebody to one of our partnered retailers, a retailer that we have a good relationship with. 
Thankfully, that's three of the top six grocers in the United States, as well as about a dozen other retailers that we work closely with. Uh, you could use that transparency, knowing that somebody actually didn't just click, but ended up actually buying the product, getting it delivered to them to uh, optimize your ads, create lookalike audiences, and most importantly, probably measure ROAS, like know that actually your money is making you money when you do digital advertising. We also have the ability to locate um, products at 1,500 unique retail banners, which is about 10 times more than our biggest competitor is able to you know, detect whether or not Dr. Teal's is actually sold in a retail chain. So in terms of value uh, for shoppers, pretty straightforward. We're making their lives easier. Click on an ad. We're never going to give you a dead end. You're always going to be able to purchase the product. For brands, we're leading the charge to bring the full capability of direct-to-consumer marketing to brands that sell through retail. That might sound crazy ambitious. That's exactly what we're going after. And then for retailers, we're helping them achieve their fair share of um, a CPG company's national media budget in a fair and equitable way to help them drive massive online adoption through collaboration and ultimately taking advantage of a brand's advertising efforts. That is a terrific explanation. The people on the podcast can't see this. I can see it because I'm looking at three. There was like a little twinkle in his eye when you said ROAS. That got him very excited. So it was the it was really the statement you said, let your money make money for you. And and um, that's the sentiment of my next question. Right. I was originally going to ask you, we've had other guests come here and talk about shoppable media. And so for me, this is obvious, but we have hundreds of brands, thousands of brand listeners over here. Why is this space so hot today? And then can you talk a little bit about shoppable media on social as well as on brand sites? And um, if this is hot for brands, from from a whole measurement perspective, you kind of went down the rabbit hole just a little while earlier. Take us deeper into the Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole of measuring success all the way to the bottom of the funnel. And uh, then can you wrap it up by saying, what are traditional brands missing when they can't use performance DTC marketing in the best way that they want to? Absolutely. Great question. So... We at least subscribe to the belief that you have to meet a shopper where they're at. And, um, obviously the internet has kind of like reinvented the way that, um, brands could communicate with their shoppers in the first place. When you're running a billboard on the interstate, you have to meet a shopper at all different stages of their shopper journey. Like maybe they're looking to buy, maybe they're just, you know, finding out about you for the first time and you kind of have to check all of those boxes at once. Now, with a platform that engages back with you, like a shoppable solution like Pair Commerce, you have the option to sort of like tailor the experience towards recognizing what the shopper is actually looking for. So maybe a shopper is just finding out about your brand for the first time, and maybe they're not interested in purchasing. But what about the other case where a shopper actually did just click on an ad because they want to engage, they want to have that item in their house? Well, you're going to miss out if you're not going to give them the option to end up at a place where they can actually consume and purchase that product. And so for the first time ever, and I mean, I can't say that this is Pear's invention. I think this is just, you know, the modern world that we live in. Shoppers and brands can have their cake and eat it too. A brand can, you know, give an advertisement that's both informative and then gives the option to buy if a person is actually looking to purchase. So not everybody is going to, you know, purchase right off the bat, but it's your best bang for your buck if you find the people who actually are most interested in buying and then, uh, you know, basically like work with them on a landing page. And we'll come back to to uh, exactly how Pair, you know, really kind of like is resetting like the status quo in that capacity. 
So to, you know, a farther part of your question about direct to consumer companies and how they're doing their digital marketing. So I come from that background. My previous company, we ran ads on Facebook. We delivered food for restaurants. So uh, we would run ads on Facebook and somebody could click on that ad and then end up on our app or website and order pizza and it would show up on their doorstep. That was awesome because um, we were able to capture the person's information, like their first party data, like who they were. We were able to retarget back to our best customers and say, hey, you know, you ordered pizza last week. Aren't you hungry? Like come back and buy again. And then perhaps most importantly, we were able to continually improve the quality of our advertisements by basically looking at the people who were mo- who were purchasing from us today and then building lookalike audiences to say, hey, millennials really love our product. Let's advertise to more millennials. And it was that closed loop, the ability to run an ad and actually sell the product that enabled us to do that. And that's what all the direct-to-consumer companies are capable of doing right now. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're Dollar Shave Club or Peloton, they're all taking advantage of basically targeting getting people to engage and then actually capturing their information and using that to better perform for future people who may buy their product. And Facebook is just like magnificent at this, but the CPG companies that are running ads to retailers and those retailers don't provide that transparency, they're missing that opportunity. I mean, a CPG company may know, hey, I sent, you know, X number of shoppers off to a retailer, but if they're not finding out which individual shoppers ended up buying and closing that loop, there's no way to build a lookalike audience of your purchasers because you don't know who your purchases are. And so we see this opportunity where uh, brands that sell through retailers deserve a better solution. They deserve those same marketing capabilities of the direct-to-consumer companies so that they too can have like conversion-optimized campaigns that perform better and better and better as time goes on because Facebook becomes better and better and better at ad targeting. And that is sort of the uh, platform that we're building by being able to pull this data out of the retailer in exchange for helping the retailer grow their e-commerce magnificently. We've kind of joked internally sometimes because obviously like selling sparkling water direct to consumer, that would be pretty tough. You can't really make money on that because you have to send those items in the mail. We've joked that going D2C is like getting the keys to a Ferrari. You have the best in performance marketing, but then you're also going to get kicked in the shins on your margin. Now, what we're basically doing is giving you the keys to a Ferrari that doesn't include you getting kicked in the shins. You get to sell your products through the retailers that you've always sold through, and you're still getting all of the best that digital marketing has to offer the same as the direct to consumer brands who candidly have like had all of their explosive growth just by tapping into these growth metrics in the first place. All right. My head is spinning and there are so many things we can talk about. I'm going to back it up a bit because I know Shri is champing at the bit to ask a couple of questions. The one I want to know is you kind of told us about your experience working with advertising platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Google, and programmatic. As you envisioned what this capability was going to be for pair commerce, what were kind of, and again, I'm not going to ask you to open up your hood and show us all your IP, but kind of what were the things that you felt you needed to put in place to make this a reality from a concept where you could make a better mousetrap for brands that they were going to want to jump on board? 
I'm very lucky to come from a digitally native brand. Eat Street, as I said, online food ordering and delivery for restaurants. I was a founder in that company in 2009, and we grew that company to over 6 million diners uh, just basically by doing you know, modern digital marketing, running ads, getting people to buy food online. The cool thing that I observed over the years of doing that was that the results just continued to improve. And it wasn't, I mean, part of it was probably just like general adoption, but the other piece was, again, using the the data that we had collected to do better targeting to get people who were more likely to buy from us to see our ads more often. And so uh, from one you know month to the next, we might see a 30% performance improvement on an ad campaign that we were running just by basically you know feeding that data back to the ad networks like Facebook, et cetera, and letting them do their thing. All of that is a little bit esoteric, but that's all to say that like I, I got kind of lazy on this. I mean, I just like said it and forget it. I mean, we had a whole marketing department, and I don't want to, you know, downplay how rigorous um, our efforts were. But at the end of the day, we were taking advantage of awesome marketing tools, and they produced awesome results for us. And then my fiance got a job at a CPG company, and she was chief marketing officer of a company that only sells through retailers. And she was coming home and telling me on a daily basis, oh, you know, you're so spoiled with these digital marketing techniques. Your brand just keeps on growing through running digital ads. We could run digital ads too, but we never have any idea of whether or not we're selling any products. So we can't make our ads any better because we don't even have any data to go off of. And I think my fiance probably provides me the majority of my good ideas. And maybe after like the 10th time of her, like, you know, kind of voicing that problem to me, I got the wheels turning and we started chatting. And that was sort of what led to the inception of Pair Commerce, where we said, hey, the table stakes are that we need to give these CPG companies the same marketing tools that we use to build Eat Street to hundreds of millions of dollars in sales. My question, Eric, is who's the winner that suggested sending ice cream on dropship? for just having a conversation. They're the true hero in my eyes. They're the Batman, Superman, Superwoman, everything rolled into one. But of course, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, that said, you know, we're, we're going down the rabbit hole of value proposition, the why, things of that nature, right? So when, when a brand chooses to partner with you guys, you know, tell us how this works out, what happens next, and then how do you actually deliver the value proposition for the brand having chosen you as a partner? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, Sri, I'd say that this qualifies as a conversation, so I can drop ship you some ice cream if you'd like to provide me with your address after the podcast. It's Los Angeles in winter, man. There's like an ice cream shop every 50 feet from my home. You know, the ice cream places in Minnesota are not doing so well at this time of year. Ah, a little cold for ice cream. Yeah, when a brand actually uh, partners with us, the setup time and process is very straightforward. Basically, uh, we've provided brands with both self-service tools and white glove service to basically, you know, custom design landing pages that are going to feature their products and then feature the retailers in a shopper's area that actually stock those products. Uh, our setup time is usually about one day. Typically, brands also provide us with their own unique tracking pixels. So if they're building their own CRM and trying to get more first-party data. We can capture all the first-party data from when somebody lands on that page. And we can capture first-party data when somebody actually purchases through one of our partner retailers. And like basically, you know, beam that data back over to a brand so that a brand is able to build out a much better view of their digital marketing efforts. But the whole setup and execution side of it really is them providing us with just a handful of questions and us turning around a link for them that then they can start driving 
driving traffic to. It could be Facebook traffic. It could be Google traffic. It could be programmatic traffic. It could be traffic off of a website, like the brand's own website, or like a newsletter that they're sending out via email. It really doesn't matter to us. Our product functions just the same no matter what. And again, I mean, for a brand to get started with us, typically, you know, the phone call lasts for 30 minutes and then uh, we're, we're up and off to the races. I want to remind our audience that Shri and I are speaking today with Eric Martell. He's the founder of Pair Commerce. That's great, Eric. I want to talk about the other side of the equation in this ecosystem, which is the retailer aspect. In order for media to be shoppable, right, retailers need to be involved. So can you walk our audience through what is the value proposition for the retailers in your network? Why do they want to participate? And how do do their networks integrate into your solution? For starters, I actually consider myself to be very fortunate that I didn't grow up in CPG and retail. I mean, to be completely honest, before starting this company, I was kind of a neophyte to the entire universe of it. And that allowed me to do something as bold as beginning to knock on retailer doors with my co-founder, Alex, and say, hey, um, how would you like to partner with brands um, and, uh, you know, accept like, you know, their web traffic that they're generating off of their ads in exchange for transparency? Because I think anybody who grew up in this space would immediately assume, oh, you know, retailers are going to be very closed off to that kind of collaboration. And candidly, in the early days of this company, when we were just exploring before we even quit our day jobs to start it, um, we were we were hitting a lot of roadblocks that way. But I'd say that COVID kind of turned the entire world upside down, where all of a sudden retailers recognized a, that their market share on e-commerce is probably the best future indicator to their overall success and like survival in the next like 20 years. And the fact that every incremental user who would register an account on a retailer's website holds tremendous lifetime value to that retailer. And then B, that with the advent of these direct-to-consumer brands, which also really blew up during COVID times, retailers themselves are really missing out on opportunities because not only is that eating into a CPG company, but it's eating into a retailer's um, opportunity as well. If people stop shopping at retailers, you know, I mean, that's that's very bad news for them. So they're recognizing that uh, collaboration with brands can be super instrumental to e-commerce growth. And that's a big reason why we think that retailers actually start their own media networks. Oftentimes, you can now advertise on a retailer's website if you're a brand, you know, do some pay-per-click advertising right on Kroger.com or right on Walmart.com. We, uh, you know, kind of see ourselves as like the other half of that puzzle because... Even if retailers are already working with brands, selling advertising on their own properties, um, there's always going to be a sort of like industry agnostic bucket of money sitting with the brand. The brand has designated this money not to Target, not to Walmart, not to Kroger, but rather to, uh, you know, just basically building awareness or awareness uh, linked with shoppability that gives the shopper the choice between which retailer they'd like to send to. And it's actually that experience that we open up a world of opportunity for retailers. And if you're a huge retailer, I mean, uh, first of all, it still is incremental. So that's a great opportunity for you. But if you're a mid-sized retailer that, uh, you know, traditionally hasn't even been listed on a brand's product finders before, you know, they started working with Pair Commerce and Pair started winning over these product finders in the first place for brands, you know, this is a night and day difference where for the first time ever, they're getting that retailer agnostic, fair and equitable bucket of money, and they're using that to drive their own growth. And doing that in exchange for a little bit of transparency, which is just us confirming that the transaction took place 
choice only for traffic that we send off to the retailers has been something that, again, three of the top six grocery retailers of the United States have said yes to. And what's more, a dozen other mid-sized retailers, you know, covering all regions of the United States have also found to be very attractive. You explained quite a bit about how pair commerce would be attractive for retailers and how you would deliver a value proposition. You know, coming from a very brand background my entire career, I'll flip to the other side of the coin, right? I don't make any investments for any brand that I've ever represented um, without asking about ROAS, ROI, CPC, all kinds of metrics, right? In that sort of world uh, where all these metrics matter big time and that's the way to go, uh, call it what you know, call it whatever you may. Digitally native brands have the clear ability to obviously measure this kind of stuff as they sell direct to consumers. What about brands that are intermediary to another retailer? How can fair commerce help that journey of actually measuring success? We give you a dashboard that looks like a direct-to-consumer dashboard. I mean, it looks like Shopify. To be honest, uh, the first day that Alex and I started kind of jamming on this idea, we said, let's build the pipes you know, from a retail shopping experience to get all the data in one place such that we can build a dashboard that is indistinguishable from Shopify. So if you sign into the pair commerce dashboard that we give off to our brands, it's going to look very familiar if you've ever done any kind of like direct-to-consumer selling yourself. You're going to see row by row every transaction that's coming in through the system that we can measure. So in a lot of cases, you may, from any other number of data providers, even find out like, hey, there have been this many sales, and maybe you could do some napkin math and say, hey, I spent $1,000 and got $2,000 in sales, so I got a 2x ROAS. We think that's great, but we go way farther. We show you, you know the $17 transaction, the $50 transaction, the $200 transaction that added up to actually encompass, you know, all of those sales um, and the first party data associated with each of those transactions so that a brand can actually really understand like, hey, you know, it's people in this region or it's people of this demographic who are the ones who are buying, which is more than just like measuring whether or not your outcome was positive or negative after the fact. It allows you to, in real time, make your advertisements better and better and better so that the outcomes don't go positive or negative. It's a question between positive, more positive, more positive, more positive on a weekly basis. And that sort of is like the iterative real-time direct-to-consumer marketing that we're trying to provide off to brands. Eric, would love if you could share with our audience either masked or unmasked examples of how your solution is helping brands produce these kind of performing, shoppable advertising programs that deliver uh, the measurable performance you've referred to. Yeah. Um, and Eric, I love this use of the word during these times, masked or unmasked. How about that, man? He's been thinking. <laughs> Okay, I just got that. I'm a little slow on the uptake three. That was actually good. That was unintentional, but it was good. I love it. Uh, so yeah, we've uh, we've been in market since last August. So uh, we're definitely the new kid on the block. In fact, the majority of companies that we're competing with are 20 years old. I mean, our biggest competitor is probably a company that was started in 1996. Um, so, uh, you know, we are early innings, but, um, we've had a huge response since we went to market. So, uh, we've worked with, um, some large national brands. I mean, uh, 3M being one of them, big multinationals. Uh, we've worked with some mid-sized brands, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, like Johnsonville. And then, uh, we work with emerging brands. In fact, you know, one of our first customers was my fiance's company. So I was able to provide back on that promise that I made her when we first had this idea together. In the fourth quarter, our, 
customer list has basically doubled month over month. Uh, and we're hoping to keep that momentum alive coming into the new year. As far as the results, they kind of speak for themselves. We displaced a competitor with a Fortune 500 company, you know, with household brands that you would, you know, be aware of. I can't say which company this one was, but we basically displaced, uh, the product finder that they were currently using. And, um, over the course of a month, we, uh, 6X their ROAS. So that uh, particular marketing team within, again, this giant multinational CPG company, one marketing team of the year in their organization, org-wide, uh, because of, you know, in part their work with Pair Commerce. And we were able to, you know, totally benchmark ourselves against not just, you know, having no solution in place, but even having kind of like a status quo solution in place that passively may send some traffic off to Walmart or maybe sends it off to Target. We have our customers who love us for different reasons. Um, if you're an emerging brand, um, oftentimes they find that they love us for the 1500 banners. We're onboarding a new customer who uh, just sold into Hannaford in Maine. Um, virtually none of our competition even supports Hannaford. Like they would never be an option when you land on a landing page and see where the product is stocked. But for this customer, Hannaford is a huge deal. In fact, it's their biggest retail distribution so far. So the fact that we're able to support, you know, so granular as, you know, these different banners is really exciting, you know, to these emerging brands that are just working on getting their distribution together. Then sort of on the other end of the spectrum, I mean, you have uh, big CPG brands who work with, you know, giant marketing agencies who have been asking themselves for years, how do we become first party data forward? How do we start using performance marketing? Candidly, like, how do we keep up with like the progress that the direct to consumer companies are making? And again, it's those kinds of cases where if we can 6x ROAS in the course of a month and a half, we're off to a really good start to fixing that problem for them. So, uh, we've had success across the board. And then as far as our retailers go, I mean, we've produced millions and millions of dollars of like new transactions for them and ultimately acquired them many, many new accounts. And we've never yet churned a retailer and we, uh, we never expect to because we're just kind of providing free value by sending all this traffic to them. That is awesome. And I get the pleasure of actually closing out with the last question for today, but we're going to stick to the rabbit hole topic since Peter gave us full permission and so did you, uh, Eric, at the beginning of this conversation. So the, and that question is, we're going to go into predict the future and we're going to ask you to predict what's in pair commerce's future. What's next? What's the, what's big for digital advertising? I mean, clearly everything you described today, shoppable media is getting hotter and hotter by the day and why brands and retailers should use it is getting more obvious. But you also tore it apart and tell us, told us the why. Keeping all that as the backdrop, where are you guys going to invest more and more? Where, where are we going to see more from you guys? And what's your big advice to brands? I'll start off with kind of our vision of the future that doesn't even necessarily, it's not limited to pair commerce. And that's that I think that retail and CPG collaboration is only going to increase from here. Obviously, you know, you're talking about deeply entrenched industries that have been around for a very long time. But if you look at everything from auto to tech with open source, there seems to be this gravitational pull to get companies that have always relied on each other for success to work more closely together to better serve the needs of their customers. And candidly, if we're in the business of better serving shoppers, uh, we owe it to them to start working more closely together. And Pair is really here to facilitate that. I mean, as far as Pair itself goes, um, our clarion call is uh, more advertising transparency. We're adding new retailers and CPGs by the week. 
the other, I would say the exciting future of pair is not just being the connector um, and not just the measurer, but then the accelerant. So we would like to see, you know, our platform um, produce better and better and better advertising performance as opposed to just like facilitating, you know, somebody arriving on a retailer's website. So that can be done through better data sharing that results in like, you know, more granular specific advertising, like audience creation. Um, but it also could be something like AB tests within our platform, like which landing pages outperform other ones or even cashback rebates where it's like, Hey, um, you know, buy this product online. It doesn't matter which retailer you choose and we'll Venmo you or we'll square cash you a couple bucks. Um, and, uh, these, you know, kinds of approaches is not something that we've seen super broadly yet, at least in like the product finder space. But uh, we feel like it's our responsibility to A, provide as much transparency as possible, and then B, just juice that conversion funnel and make it as effective as possible. And, uh, you know, without giving too much away, uh, 2022 is going to be a really uh, exciting year for us, you know, based on our capability to do just that. Remind our audience that if you visit cpgguys.com, you will find all sorts of great content, including the episode you've been listening to today. You can connect with us on a multitude of social media platforms, and you can find out what thought leadership we're trying to amplify. Uh, as case in point, I think we covered some really great ground today, Shri. Hey, Eric, want to thank you so much for coming here and talking to us about how pair commerce has transformed the customer experience and making uh, advertising more shoppable and actually measurable. This is really great. We're going to have a link to your LinkedIn profile and a pair commerce site, as I mentioned, in the digital liner notes. And I think if you reach out people to Eric through LinkedIn, you mentioned the CPG Guys podcast, sounds like some ice cream is here coming your way. So Eric, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, guys. This has been great. Hey, Shri, I know your head's still spinning. Mine is too. Uh, I feel like I actually learned even more new things about shoppable media today and how brands can avail themselves of some really powerful capabilities. What, what sticks out in your mind from today's conversation? I think a clear explanation from Eric up front and through the theme of this episode on the importance of shoppable media and connecting it back to ROI, which is ROAS what CPC, the questions that come out of that is what CPC, you pay for SEM, you start comparing it to shoppable media. I think it's going to feel like night and day pretty soon. And to me, what's very clear, Peter, you know, coming out of this episode, we've talked to others in this space as well. This is hot space. Pair is, of course, one of the capability providers who can really scale up for brands and retailers. I love that you also spoke the retail angle, which no one has done before on the show. That I think is a game changer and you connected the dots. You also didn't have a problem going into the rabbit hole of where, uh, for brands that don't do DDC, they use uh, retailers as their intermediary, how you can still calculate an ROI. So I think you bought it all back as one box for brands to consider over here and also gave the retailers a reason to believe and want to get to know more about Pet. Thank you sincerely, Eric. All right, Shri, thank you for that recap. I concur with you completely. And as always, thank you for joining me on this journey. I think we delivered to our audience again with this episode. It's all about education, and I certainly feel educated by this episode. So with that, I'm going to say to our audience, thank you as always for joining us. 
for being part of this community, for sharing back with us. Shree and I love hearing from you. And we look forward to speaking with you on the next episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Thanks and goodbye. The content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.